Octavia's Parables. Um, We are in our second season focused on Parable of the Talents. I am your co-host, Adrian Marie Brown. I'm Toshi Regan. And we always start with announcements. So Toshi, do you have any announcements? Yeah, um, I'm really happy we released Breathe, Alexis, Pauline Guns, and I, a second marine mammal meditation on our project Long Water Song which you can hear on it's sound. Beautiful. Uh, I love it. Soundcloud.com backslash long water song. And I'm um, also really excited because we will in the next like little bit of time be announcing some uh, parable of the sower, the opera <laughs> um, dates for next year. We, we not messing around hear, this year. I can hear, literally hear our listeners. The crowd yes. is going wild. <laughs> like, yes. yes. That's the main, you know, that's the main question we get. Yeah. Um, from people who are writing into us is where and how can I hear the opera? So Yeah, we're going to have some dates. We're going to be in some cool places. And um, I'm really excited about that. I am really excited to share the good news with people. I just saw this from John Jennings that John and Damien Duffy, who did the graphic novel of the parables, I believe it's the parables. Maybe it's Kindred. Hold on. Let me see which one it is. Um, one of them has been, is it Kindred? They did Kindred and Parables was nominated for the Hugo for Best Graphic Story, um, and it is Parable of the Sower, the graphic novel adaptation of Parable of the Sower, of course, written by Octavia E. Butler. They turned it into a graphic novel, which I highly recommend. It's really beautiful and interesting to see it rather than read it or hear it. Um, When they do the gates and they come in out the gates with the bikes. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> exactly it's and it's very um it's early in the process you know this is like they're nominated for the the graphic story award and we'll come back and let you know if they end up receiving it um but our people are winning thanks and that's good news yeah so here we are in chapter nine of parable of the talents and toshi yeah yeah so yeah from Earthseed, the books of the living, to make peace with others, make peace with yourself. Shape God with generosity and compassion. Minimize harm, shield the weak, treasure the innocent. Be true to the destiny. Forgive your enemies, forgive yourself. Mm. Well, and we'll just repeat that four or five times <laughs> so you yep. can get through your days. In this chapter, we start off with um, Lauren and Ben Coley's child uh, once again, and um, and she's and she's writing. And I'm not even going to pretend that it's not a she anymore. <laughs> <laughs> now we know. Now, now we know. I, I spoiled that. <laughs> I'm sorry, y'all. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I think you spoiled it so beautifully. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, okay. Um. But 
does. She's reflecting uh, once again on, you know, the difference between Uncle Mark and um, and her mom and how uh, she meant to, uh, Lauren meant to make Earthseed a nationwide movement and eventually, you know, reach the destiny of Earthseed is to live amongst the stars and where Uncle Mark is like Earth, 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 Earth. And um, also reflecting on whether um, her uncle um, really understood how how much Lauren set him up with his uh-huh. um, opportunity to preach at the uh, at the gatherings. And so when we uh, enter um, into, you know, oh, I, I don't want to leave, leave this out. Her her last thought for this particular entrance is she says. She, her mom, learned from everyone and everything. I think if I had died at birth, she would have managed to learn something from my death that would be useful to Earthseed. So, (laughs) it's heavy. It's heavy up in here, this exploration. And uh, Lauren is, uh, is writing Saturday, February the 19th, 2033, and war is on her mind. Um, President Jarrett is stirring up, um, stirring up everything, but really, really, really this idea of Christianity, this idea of God and this one kind of Christianity and this one kind of God. And he's going after Alaska, which, you know, made itself its own country. And, um, and he's using, he's using our history. He's thinking about the way that he says, if a house a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And then it's like, Jesus said that. And then President Abraham Lincoln said that. And, you know, this is this is that, and this is that. He's just building a, a stronger and stronger case for having a particular kind of, a particular kind of uh, very, very, very strict Christianity. And he is mostly interested in men. He's not interested in women at all. Uh, being a part of this and so it's it's um it's like level of violence and attack towards who is not you know going along with his program so mm. lauren really feels that and uh and is worried about it and ben Coley went down to sacramento to get some <laughs> medical supplies and he's saying people are actually talking about this and taking it in and so that that makes them both nervous and mark you know Mark is 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 going to leave. Mark speaks again oh. and when he speaks it's he he's like Ursi is nonsense. It's this is a great um you know I'm not going to tell y'all everything that you sh- you should just read this. It's you know February the 28th 2033 he's speaking and there's a a great you know probably for the third time um debate around how he feels about Earthseed and where he thinks that community can, should go. And he, um, and he just, he decides to leave and he left with, uh, this family, the, the Peraltas. And this is the family that, you know, was thinking that Jarrett wasn't that bad <laughs> and seeing some good in it. And so, um, they all go off with Mark, but there is this kind of, um, you know, really hard conversation they have before he leaves. And, and, and I think it's one that Lauren, Lauren really, 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 really regrets. 
he's he's seeing how you know it actually didn't work for him to speak at the gatherings and lauren you know basically says to him that you were given a special privilege if you were anyone else you could have been expelled for preaching another belief system i let you do it you've been through so much hell and i knew it was important to you and because you're my brother you know and saying that ended everything between them is yes she said she said what she should not have said and she said yeah. i would have called it back the war i would have called back the words if i could he's going to hear that as pity he's going to hear that yeah. in a way condescension and she tries to explain it she tries to break it down she tries to do all of this you know <laughs> backtracking over her language and he's it's done and mm-hmm. he he shifts into a state of almost kindness you know forget about it that's okay yep you know yep. he just it's over and um yeah. there's she can she will never get it back it's just yeah. it, it's as done as done can be and it 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 actually kind of scares her how calm he is in it how much yeah. he is not willing to engage in in anything about what she said there's no apology so she um she gives him money, as much money as she can. She gives him weapons. She gives them what she can give. And um, and they drive them someplace and she lets him go. And um, she says, I don't know whether I'll ever see him again. I feel almost as though he's died. Died yeah. again. It's so sad. <laughs> it's just so heartbreaking. so heartbreaking. I can't wait for your questions. Um, yeah. Cause, woof, you know how many of us have just said that thing and been like, ah, <laughs> yeah. why did I do that? And uh, when I, whenever I read this, this next section, now we are Thursday, March seventeenth, two thousand thirty-three. I get really excited. I remember the first time I read it, I got really happy. Dan, you know, Dan Noyer found his way back to us last night, and you see that first line, and you're like, yes. You're like, yay. Yay. <laughs> you're so. Even though you should know better with Octavia, but you still feel yay. You feel this relief <laughs> and you're so, you don't even know like anything and you're just so happy. I, I love Dan. Um, but it is, it is bad. It's two people mm-hmm. running and it's at night. There's two people running and then there's a group of five chasing them. And um, what we later find out is that it's, it's Dan and his, um, one of his sisters. Um who he has found and they are running and there is a huge battle. This is like a big battle. And um, you get to see a great landscape of how this community has decided to organize themselves and around um, intruders entering the property and, and fights. And they are badass. They are very badass. So they have their truck and, you know, you get to hear about this truck, you know, before, you get these little things, but this truck is amazing. And no, I was like, wait, hold up. Yeah, wait, <laughs> <laughs> wait, come back again with this truck. So basically, uh, Grayson and Zara are on um, watch on the property. Everybody goes to where they're supposed to go, and Van yeah. Cole tries to get Lauren, who's pregnant, to stay in the house. And of course, you know she's not about that life. So she's right up in the truck with with Van Coley, with Travis, and they're getting it together. And so this truck can do so many things. So it it can 
it can't smell like a nose, but it can like, it can read chemicals. And so it can interpret chemicals as smells. It can sense, um, it has infrared, blah, blah, blah. And it can sense bodies and it can sense if bodies are moving, if bodies, even if they're laying on the ground, if they're dead bodies, if they're live bodies, it can do, it can do all of this stuff. It can shoot by itself. Like you can just be like truck. There's somebody running. We don't want them to be here. Shoot them. And it will, it will shoot the people. It does an incredible amount of things. It's so scary. It's like a, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I mean, I've been thinking about it like it's an RV and, and I'm like, this is not an RV. (laughs) This is something else. This is something else entirely. It's like a a military tank crossed with an RV or something. It's, it's high, 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 high technology, war technology. All of those things are very high and high level. And they are, they are no longer the people on the highway. Like exactly. with their, you know, you have one gun, you have a knife and you have, you know, with their, their highway strategies of trying to survive a paint attack, they are loaded. And so they, they win that battle thanks to their truck and they got uh, Dan and uh, his sister Nina and mm-hmm. they have both been enslaved. And this is just, just, just what it's about. You know, they both been enslaved. And you got to remember, Dan is 15 years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, Horrible things have happened to them. And they escaped from those, the people who had enslaved them. And they were heading back to Acorn. And then these people, these five people saw them. And this is the chase that happened. They were running for their lives. And they have been really, 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 really brutalized. And, um, and Dan doesn't make it. Yeah. So. Um, their other sister uh, was killed. So that is the that is what happens there. And then they get to March 18, 2033. They are moving through the days. And um, they are, you know, trying to make sense of all of it. But basically, there is this way that this community has so much sacred sacred relationships, sacred relationships to land and such mm-hmm. deep practice that in some ways like the worst can happen and they yeah. still are like okay, we're going to we're going to strip these dead bodies. We're going to make decisions. Those the one thing they do learn about these bodies is their clothes are nice, are good clothes. They're well yeah. made. They're not like clean people, but they got stuff and they didn't have any identification on them. They didn't have a lot of like they. It's like they have a home. They have some place to yeah. go back to. They also have these. It's not too far. It's not too far, and they have these nice sweaters with a cross on them, and so they don't keep any of those clothes. They burn those people, and then uh, separately they burn Dan, and they have um, their ceremony, and Nina is is getting better and better physically. And in their ceremony, they say, as wind, as water, as fire, as life, God is both creative and destructive, demanding and yielding, sculptor and clay. God is infinite potential. God is change. And um, it's a sad, it's a sad, 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 sad day. Everybody was rooting um, for, for Dan.
and the information that there is some people nearby who have access to weapons and have a situation that's set up enough where they actually feel really comfortable leaving, coming and going without too much stuff is heavy information. And I'm going to call that chapter nine had a lot happening in it, but I'm going to call that the, the chapter nine synopsis right there. Yeah. Thank you, Toshi. I want to just apologize to people if there are noises in the background as I'm speaking that come through. There's a surprise construction project happening on the street outside. So this is, I feel like this is pandemic life now. <laughs> You're like, well, we're not in a soundproof studio. We'll see how soon that happens. I did just get my second vaccine shot and getting a vaccine shot after reading Octavia Butler is also a precarious endeavor. <laughs> no way. <laughs> You're just like, well, so I have questions uh, for this chapter and it's a deep chapter. I think these are questions that could take you into pretty deep territory and you might be journaling along with us. You might be in a group processing these. Um, so just attend to yourself as Toshi often says, drink water. And I also want to name that we've had many, many of you ask us about questions, gathering the questions and will we be gathering the questions? Mm. We've had a few people volunteer to say they're tracking the questions or writing all the questions up. Um, We'd love to receive documents. If you're jotting all the questions up, we have all the transcripts and we can pull the questions together from the transcripts. Um, That's likely something we would do at the end of this season so that we have all of the questions from both seasons together in, in one place. Um, but we're glad you're enjoying the questions. That's good news. So here's what we have for chapter nine. Uh, the first one is in relationship to the earth seed verse. Um, are you at peace with yourself? Are you at peace with yourself? Um, inside of the maelstrom of life and everything. And, do you have things you still need to forgive yourself for? Mm-hmm. And what is your process for self-forgiveness? I've been thinking about this so much lately because we're in this period where I think we have a fairly advanced analysis that we we understand like we don't forgive until there's justice and we don't mm-hmm. have justice and how do we do this? And I think we still struggle with are people forgivable? Is every act forgivable? Are we forgivable? And what is our process for doing so? Um, And if we're holding other people to the fire, then, you know, do we understand that they are also forgivable? And Mm -hmm. I I do find that it helps so much to be able to forgive yourself in that journey of being able to understand that um, there's a justice that comes in that act as well. So those are the first questions. And then I love... The, res- the sort of reflections that Lauren's child has as they're reading these texts. Mm. Um, and in this one, you know, one of those reflections is on how open Lauren was in her journaling that she didn't know what she was doing and that she yes. was frustrated by that and that she was always trying to delay the fight or delay a conflict until she knew she could win because she really wanted to know what she was doing. And so that led to a a trio of questions for me, which is one, do you know what you're doing? (laughs) Whatever it is you're up to, (laughs) whatever it is you're up to, especially if you're in a leadership position, do you know what you're doing? Do you know what you're doing? Um, I love that question so much. 
<laughs> you know why? Because I saw that, that The Rock was like, I'll run for president if people want me to. And I immediately was like, do you know what the fuck you're doing? Do you know what the fuck you're <laughs> why? doing? What do you know you- what the job is? Yes. <laughs> Go on. We no, stop. I mean, it's such an interesting thing. Uh, the idea of something versus the doing of something. Mm-hmm. And when you're still in the idea phase, like, yeah, there's tons of great ideas about how things should be done. Yes. But when you're in the doing phase, you know, you come up against all kinds of interesting limitations and constraints that then you have to adapt for in order to keep doing what you're doing. Um, But I think about how rarely when I'm in a leadership position, do I feel like I know what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. Um, But the second question is, do you feel like you have to know what you're doing? Like, are you supposed to know? And I think there's this dynamic that happens where those of us who are in leadership positions often don't know what we're doing, but we have stepped up to do. And then other people are sort of pointing at us like, you should know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> and I have a strong opinion on what you are doing. So that leads me to my third question, which is, do you orient towards leaders as if they know what they are doing? Mm. Right. And I know there's a longing inside these questions for me, which is, I wish that we could all admit we don't know what we're doing, that we're figuring out how to do what's needed. And we, I wish we could orient towards leaders as leaders of experimentation. Mm-hmm. Like that those are people who are willing to step forward and take leadership inside of experiments because we, we haven't won yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I shared this um, wisdom from video gaming with my nibblings this past week. We were playing Mario and they would come in and, and sit next to me and I would be moving through a very hard... Um, game and they would be like oh you no you should do this and I would just hand them the controller (laughs) and be like okay do it and then quickly they would die in the game and (laughs) it would be like oh (laughs) right and then we could start to have a new conversation like well how how should we do this who has the skill set to do this right like I wish there was easier equivalence for doing that in our world and our workspaces and movement spaces of being able to be like, yeah, like you have a lot of strong opinions on how I'm doing my job. So here you try to do it, you know, try to do it at this scale, try to do it with integrity, try to do it with values. Like let's, let's try. And, you know, I always think I'm like, I wish everyone got to spend, you know, a a couple months as an executive director before they were allowed to have opinions on those jobs. (laughs) Right. Because yeah. I'm just like, it's actually, yeah, there's lots of great ideas. And then there's, you know, the pressure of the, the leadership positions, right? So, you do you know, know what I, you're doing? Do you feel like you have to know what you're doing? Do you orient towards leaders as if they know what they are doing? You know, it's, I love sports. And I think that's a, a really, you know, great, great place to look at this. Because that, you know, yes. especially, you know, professional sports, but... You know, even if it's not professional sports, you know, you all we all can identify skill sets. And I think Mm -hmm. that's that's more what people come in with. They come in with particular skills that they might feel very confident in. And in this chapter, you really see it with um, when they have to fight the battle that they have a skill set around it. Everybody, you know, they've practiced it. They made decisions around it. They move as one and because it is their desire to, you know, take care of their friends and their community that they they are very careful. They understand the power of their weapons and um, and how important it is for them to be 
exactly where they are as opposed to trying to be everywhere, you know, yeah. like, and so in collaboration, you can say, oh, this is a good group of people who learn yeah. to work together and maybe somebody is the leader. I don't know, but it's, it's yeah. not necessary for that leader to actually be going, you go to there and then you go to there yes. and you go and do this and you go and do this and, and understand that because it's a situation where you, you couldn't have knowingness around it. It's, it yes. just happened. We didn't understand it. It's dark. Like, what do we have? You know, and in sports, yeah. it's amazing. And especially, you know, sports that generate like football, professional football in the U.S. There's yeah. this idea that, you know, here's a coach and the coach knows what they're doing. And yes, <laughs> it's, it's yes, like, absolutely. And what everyone else should be doing. And they hold on to the coach that's had like success, even if they haven't won the Super Bowl forever. Like, and like yes. if they're just, you know, because there's all of these different levels of, you know, <laughs> and then they, like then they know and they decide, like, here are the positions that can you hear the people who will get fired if something is wrong, you know, yeah. because even if it's not their fault, we need to demonstrate that there was something they were supposed to know that they don't know. And so now they need to get mm -hmm. fired. But in reality, it's, you know, giant infrastructure and it's collaborative and there's all of these different things going on. And then there's, you know, I'm boycotting the NFL, but I still like the analogy. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I like the analogy too. I like the analogy too. And I do feel like the leaders I see who, who do know what they're doing, most of the time what they know to do is listen to the people that they're mm -hmm. working with. Yeah. And they... if you know to listen, if you know to relinquish and share, relinquish, you know, your hold on controlling everything and actually share power, um, you can know a lot because the more people, the more the knowledge there is in any given space, right? Yeah, they're also good oh. at they're also good at creating a mythology around themselves. Mm. You know, they're good mm -hmm. at like it, they're good at becoming. You know, it's almost like the the you know the the vibration. Okay, the first year you when nobody knew who you were and you were a rookie coach and you won. Like, yes, that was amazing. And then the second year you won again and then yeah. oh, you won three times. And it's like yes. it, now you're not yourself anymore. Now you're exactly. you're you know, you have a new iteration. And then as you become yeah. an elder and they they'll try to squeeze like as much of that, you know, vibrational stuff. You don't even have the same system you had 30 years ago. Like you've created something else and then you're gone. Yes. You know, yeah. <laughs> and somebody else has mm -hmm. to come in and start over. But they try to they try to have as little transformation as possible in some of these situations because it actually yes. works for them to live off of the mythology of what was created a long yeah. time ago by this one person. Yeah. I mean, I think that analogy works in almost every field I can imagine. Yeah. Right. And I also just I love that you love sports. I yeah. feel like that's a surprising factoid about you I that people sports. might not know. Yeah, that's um, my thing. Organized sports. So the next question I have is, I want to offer a trigger warning for it because it is tying into something that is current events right now. We're in the we're fresh in the wake of the killing of Dante Wright. And the killing happened with... Uh, what the cop says happened is that she mistook her taser for her gun. Um, and when I was preparing today and I was rereading about this truck, 
I was like, how, how does it feel? I know for me, it feels nauseating. How does it feel to have a truck that is more competent than most of the police that are functioning today? Um, Mm. That we have so many instances of this where people are like, oh, oops, I couldn't, I couldn't tell who I should be shooting and not shooting. And I couldn't tell even what weapon I had uh, at my disposal. Um, And then to have this vehicle Mm. that's like, I can discern at a distance at nighttime um, whether these people belong to this community or don't belong to this community Mm -hmm. or are adjacent to the community. And um, all of that, it terrifies me. This truck, you know, I think the truck as its own character becomes scarier Mm -hmm. (laughs) and scarier the more you know, because it's, it's definitely one of those things that's like, it's, it's a bomb to have it for them, and it is a, a serious threat for anyone else who is coming against them to have such a vehicle, right? Yes. Um, anytime you have something that can cause damage that doesn't have a spirit soul connected to it, I think you're in dangerous territory. But that's a, that's a question I just have is, is processing through that. And in a way, it, it leads me to this question that I continuously have, which is, what is our right relationship to technology mm-hmm. as it continues to evolve, as it continues to advance? And as we, I think a lot of us are figuring out, you know, I want to be in right relationship with the planet. I want to be earth seed. And in all throughout the parables, there's an awareness of technology. There's an awareness of how technology helps and where it hinders. And so really sitting in that question, it's like, what is the right relationship to technology? Yeah. That is such an important question. And I I was thinking about this. Um, it's so much of, you know, technology and the growth of it is is not based on, you know, humans um, or anybody breathing or the yeah. planet or it's it's based on to me, it's based on um, you know, fear and capture, thievery, um, consumption. Uh, manipulation and and even if like it's helpful you know it's like especially when you think about some of the things that have happened with medicine and some of the things that have um, happened to make you know uh, music used to be really cost so much money to record like it was crazy and now you you know you can record um, in so many different ways and you you can even go into an apple store I know people made their records in apple stores like it just will go up in there and (laughs) in the tracks home so you could do so many things but yeah i one time read this um article about this ship that basically you know when they ended ended the um you know transatlantic slave trade people were still doing it and so they would be trying to catch the boats and then the boats would try to disguise themselves so that you wouldn't know that they were a a slave ship and a, a ship that you know carried um our ancestors and enslaved them over big water. And so there's this ship that crashed and wrecked and they, and they, you know, found it, you know, a lot of times. And the way they identified it was how they figured out how to hold water on the ship and like what that container was and what size it was, was the way that you understood, oh, this is not like regular. This is, this is something else. And, and, and that's like, that was technology. That was like, how, yeah. how are we going to, you know, <laughs> here, yes. how are we going to do this? Like, how are we going to get these people and how are we going to, you know, and I think that the, the, 
you know, the truck, right? That these people, now I understand why when they, in the earlier chapter, when they discover the truck, they say they made a terrible mistake. Nobody stayed in the truck. And I was like, oh, what a thing to say. Everybody's like these poor people. But now I get it because had somebody stayed in the truck, they could have killed those people. Like they could have, they could have killed those people. Yeah. They don't tell us at that point how much that truck can do, but now we see what it could do and why, and that somebody was creating such a vehicle so that people um, with, with resources could make a decision. Should we keep these two houses or should we buy? And I was like, how much is this thing? Like they sold two houses and now we understand. Now we understand. Now we understand. And I think this part is so, this feels so provocative for me around wealth and buying these things, you know, like, I'm just like, oh yeah, if you have enough money, you can buy any kind of weapon. If you have enough money, you can buy anything. And now if you have enough money, you can fly yourself into space or do whatever. And how, just because you have the resources to afford to buy something doesn't mean you have a sense of what are the safety protocols? What is the intelligent way to use this? Like what, you know, what is the community oriented way to use this? Right. Mm -hmm. And this truck is an intriguing example. I'm, I'm grateful that Dan, doesn't fight to keep this truck as an individual and keep going, but that it's like, oh, this this is in the hands of a community now that is able to figure out like how do we use this as a community resource? But there's also a sadness in me with how this chapter ends with I'm like, what would it have looked like if Dan was able to take the truck to get his oh. sister? Would he still be alive? You know? And I just think there's a, it, to me, it's a very provocative set of mm-hmm. questions because Octavia never makes it easy. Like I feel so much um, compassion for this, for Dan and his siblings who well, I'm like, would I feel that compassion if I just ran into Dan right now in a store, right? Yeah. A rich white kid who could afford to get out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I love that. I love how Octavia does. She always does that kind of complexity work where she's like fundamentally stripped down. The humanity is what shows. Yeah. And there's this question that I have that is is related to what Lauren says in her journals. One of the things she says is that it shouldn't be so easy to nudge people toward their own destruction. That's right. And, you know, it's as war is building up and everything. But I think of this, I, I think of this question often. This is one that I come back to often. And I feel like I watch, you know, when you're watching the large scale patterns of humanity and trying to maintain some hope trying to maintain a sense of like, no, humans are worth it. We're worth the miraculous effort, you know, Mm -hmm. like humans are worth it. Um, And so I want people to sit with this question for themselves. And I'd love to hear if you have a thought on it, which is why? Why do you think it is so easy to nudge people towards their own destruction? I I mean, I think we're missing something, (laughs) you know, like in our evolution as people and as, you know, as you know, I, I always say like we just don't believe our mystic selves. Like we yeah. we're you know, uh, and when I say we, I don't mean all of us because I know a lot of people who believe it. But I don't think I think we're using so little of what we have to exist yeah. on the planet. And I don't and I don't you know, you look at other species and it's their their complexity is their gift. You know, and if you That's just right. and if you just if you just stare and focus on this big tree in my window, I'm obsessed with and I look at this tree every single day. And now I notice 
all of these things. And last year, yes. the, the tree had it like anybody who loves me has gotten a picture of me looking out the window of the tree every morning. It's tree. a ritual. Yes. And last year, there was like some sick things happening with the tree. And then mm-hmm. this year, I figured out what they were. Like, I, I, you know, and I'm like, look at this tree. Like, now it's budding again. And it's like, well, let me yes. see what do overs, whatever. I don't know. I don't know nothing about trees, but I, I'm just saying. I mean, you know about this tree. I know about this particular <laughs> tree. I am watching this tree. And, um, but I think, I don't think we're using enough of what we got and that we, yeah. we allow, we allow, you know, we, I, I always say like sound when I do the operas that I've participated in, I'm obsessed with how things sound and how yes. they vibrate. And I spend a lot of time on it. Um, even if yeah. you're not a person who, who hears sound, I, I want things to, I want the room to vibrate. I want you, yes. I want people to feel something in. And I think that that is a really powerful receptor for humans, you know, Yeah. Um, because it is for everything else on the planet. Yes. And I, I just think it's very easy to, to reach the shallowest version of that and to yeah. ignite something. And we're, and we're, there's tests on this. We're susceptible to being in gangs. Like we're susceptible yeah. to following, yes. you know, um, a hot, a hot something that's interesting. And all you have to do is, is look at how the, you know, the coup attempt um, on the Capitol, like yeah. how that just started to gain ground and then become so furious. And it's, you know, yeah. when I think about things like that, that I want to go and conquer, you know, my brain goes, you know what, you need to go conquer this. Like you need to get your like weapons and your things and your gang and yeah. you need to just go handle go this. Conquer it. You know, go conquer it. But I can never get out my house because I'm like black black <laughs> woman, <laughs> you know, fifty plus ball headed, fifteen yes. surgery black woman yes. <laughs> with no yeah. weapons, like but a guitar and right. a song. Like you ain't gonna conquer <laughs> In this particular way, like it's not going to work. Like you're going to end up, this is like a million things come at me that say no. Like, you know, you have other gifts and choices and you need to go and do that. But it doesn't mean I don't think, you know what, if I could get this weapon and I could get this and I could get this, I could take care of that, you know, but before I can get like out my room, a million things say no, that's not going to work. This is why it's not going to work. You know, and I think that a lot of people, once they get once they get fired up, that no is like a little thing in the back of their head somewhere that's not strong enough. Yeah. To keep them. Yep. I see that. You know, I I think there is this. I think it's hard for us to fully account for how deep socialization is. Yeah. Like the socialization that destruction is more interesting than creation or building or even contentment. You know, I think this is, this is one of those things that, you know, I've noticed in myself, like what, when I think of like, Oh, what, what is maturation or what, what, how can I tell that I'm changing Mm. the time, you know, Uh, because a lot of things don't change. Like I, I'd still most of the time rather be playing super Mario brothers and be high on the couch, but you know, that's been consistent for me for most of my adult life. And, <laughs> and as I get older, there's a way of being like, oh, like, it's not that that experience doesn't have a place, 
But there's these other things that are, you know, generative experiences. There's these other things that are powerful for me. And one of the things I feel like I've noticed is I used to have such a draw towards drama. Mm. Like, oh, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Oh, I got to know. And as I as I age and land more in the contentment of life, like I'm like, oh, I love being in love and being surrounded by loved ones. And I love being in a relationship with kids. And I love... Um, knowing how my family's doing. Yes. And I love um, I love moments where you just sit, like you said, with your tree. For me, I've got a pear tree in the front yard that is blooming right now. And so out the window, it just looks like the most, I mean, it looks like we're living inside mm. this snowball magic situation. <laughs> um, and it gives me great contentment to know that I'm alive and this tree is alive. Right. Um, or, you know, it gives me great contentment to sit in my bath and be editing fiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And I'm like, this is, this is delicious. And it doesn't require a lot of resources or anything else, but it's delicious to know that I can sit here and feel this contentment. And I think the socialization that we swim in makes it so hard to access contentment as a satisfying experience as an enough. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think it's a very old conundrum that I think there were whole peoples who were like contentment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're very satisfied with what we're experiencing and with our processes with each other. We feel the full range of human emotion, but there's nothing in us that needs to go out and conquer and destroy to feel more of ourselves. Right. That, that feels really old. I'm like, what is it? How do we start to nudge people away from that edge? Yeah there's an attack on it, you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's an attack on it because mm-hmm. if you're, if you're, if, if humans are really get to a place where they're like, Oh, I'm alive. And they, mm-hmm. these are the things I need to sustain myself. And when I have them, I feel good. And then, yeah. you know, and then I can keep creating in my lane, but well, I'm going to lose the desire to be like, but if I can't get these 12 cars and, you know, or if I can't hate, on this other kind of people for some yep. kind of reason, or, you know, it is, it is swirled up in the, um, for the good of like a very tiny part of the population. Yeah. And, and we're, and, and yeah. we're in the era of like running out of, running out of resources and time to ex- extend ourselves on the planet because yes. of that. And, you know, contentment can feel far away, even if you have what you need. I mean, I just had this conversation with someone who was just having a really hard time. And then yeah. I was like, well, you know, why don't we just like, we're not going to solve this hard time. The hard time is too big. So what if we just looked at what we have? Let's yes. just do that. Let's just, let's yes. just look at what we have. And so it was like really kind of looking at what we had, you know, actually like calm the fire. It didn't solve right. the issue, but it calmed the fire. And then this yeah. person was able to like create out of that. But it, even yes. when you have a lot, you can really feel like, you know, and when I say have a lot, I mean like beyond what you actually need to exist. And then yes. this story is, you know, and what Octavia um, constantly points out is even when you have what you need, there are all of these other people who don't have enough of anything. Yes. And so, we, so we're now we're out of balance with the entirety yeah. of our species. 
And so I think that I I think all of that is part of of why we are having a hard time and we repeat like so um, earlier in this book, (laughs) earlier in this book, Lauren is talking about like everybody's at war with each other. And then if you look at what our right now is, it's the vibration of war. You know, it's the war. The police are clearly having a war on us. The, yeah. the you know, leaders are having a war on us. And then there's the actual wars with, with weapons and things that are happening. So that's our. Well, that, and I think those, I think that exactly what you're saying, Toshi, that piece, like they're all actual wars. Yeah. They're all, you know, it's like we have an armed force within the nation that is empowered to kill its citizens at, without, with impunity for the most part. And then there are, you know, international wars yeah but they're all yeah <laughs> i'm just like that's what it is we are living in a constant state yeah. of we are and people are working really hard you know i mean i one of the reasons i feel a lot of love and 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 you know and can reach a level of happiness is because i see how how many people are actually activating um you know in a way that is illuminating these imbalances yeah. and this terror and this is, you know, the, this will be our job is to find the nuance in between yes. all of these big happenings and start to, yeah. you know, push them towards, you know, their evolution so that we can move beyond this cycle, you know, move beyond this yes. constant cycle. It's, that's going to be yeah. our journey, but this is a great I question. I was going to talk about it all I day. <laughs> I, I, this is, I know I, this was one, like when I hit it, I was like, dang, yeah. Octavia, you know, cause I, I do think that the counter work towards that nudging towards destruction is an invitation towards life and like an invitation towards co-creating and, but it can't be done with any denial of what's happening. Right. right? Um, and there's a question I, I had for later, but maybe I'll bring it up to here because it's about Dan. Um, but it's like, how do we make meaning from lives that are overwhelmed by suffering? Mm. How do we make meaning mm. from lives that are overwhelmed by suffering? And just acknowledging that this, you know, there's some people who have savior complexes, hero rescue complexes, all that kind of stuff shows up um, where we try to make meaning of our own lives by rescuing those who are suffering. Um, or by trying to rebalance the scales. And even with all that, you know, even giving our whole lives towards trying to be in that service, um, you can't save everyone. You know, my partner and I have been talking about how many, how as winter ends in Detroit, the homelessness becomes more visible again. There's more people on corners and asking for resources and outside because it's less cold. And to, to be like, oh, there are lives that are really, th- where the suffering is so much higher yes. than mine. Um, there have been periods in my life where there was so much more suffering and I thought I couldn't get through. Um, I thought that would be my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't necessarily want to continue. Um, and there are lives that are brief and full of suffering. There are lives that are, you're just born into a war-torn place and that is the suffering. And those lives also have meaning in this human story. Um, and I, I really ask people, how do you make meaning from those lives? How do we make meaning from those lives yeah. um, that isn't just performative? That <laughs> isn't just like, mm, it's so sad. You know, it's like, no, like that, that, that life is directly tied to yours. Mm. So how do you make meaning from it? Mm. The final two questions I have for this chapter are related to the way that Marcus and Lauren part. Um, 
The first question is, what words do you wish you could pull back? Mm-hmm. Um, things you said to family, uh, to a loved one, to a friend that you knew the moment they came out, you know, this was not how I wanted to say this. Or it came back to you, you know, maybe you didn't know right away, but it came back like that really hurt me. That really broke my trust. That really made me feel small. Right? What words would you wish to take back? Mm. And an invitation here is if you want to do some ritual around it, um, to write the words out, to roll them up, to roll them back in and to burn them, right? To liberate them. And if you can, you can also apologize for them, right? If that is still a possibility. But I think we all have words like that. I felt I, when you when you were reflecting, I was like, yep, that's how I felt too. I'm like, we all have things like that. We're just like, I wish I'd never said that. Mm-hmm. And it can't come back. And so the final question I have is, you know, Marcus and Lauren cannot reconcile the tension of faith in their family. Um, and I wanted people to reflect on when or how have you experienced the tension of faith and family? And if you're on your own, write the story out. Tell yourself the story of that tension, right? Where did it play out? What were the different faiths involved? Were they clear, named, organized faiths or something else? If you're with others, you know, in a book reading group, listening group, et cetera, tell those stories to each other, right? Tell those stories to each other. Um, Did you have to leave the faith that you grew up in? Did you decide to recommit to a faith that you grew up in or choose a new faith that your family doesn't understand or other things. But I think, I think this is one of the core tensions of our species Mm. and it shapes so much of what we understand to be war and economy and familial structure and everything else. Um, So I want us to spend some time there. That's great. That's (sighs) good. Yeah. Chapter nine. Chapter nine. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wonder if there's a thing, thing too. I don't know if this will go in this episode, but <laughs> since you're, but this, <laughs> this thing about adrenaline, like one yeah. thing you realize is that like Lauren has a level of adrenaline when it comes to like Earthseed and the community that, you know, might be the engine that had her say what she had to say because she was in a battle, a battle zone. Yeah. And as opposed to like, you know, a listening, you know, position or a receiving yeah. or, you know, even though I think he's making a mistake, I should hear him out. And, you yeah. know, and I, there's a, you know, maybe you get so good at like pulling people through their horrible, ordinary problems yes. that you don't have like, you know, like we say, the healing justice <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, that's needed to actually continue. All right, their wounds are, you know, healed, but then all of the other things and how might, you know, uh, that that was that was Mark's greatest success was his yes. preaching. So, yes. of course, it's it's something very valuable to him. And yeah. with everything that happened to him, was there no room to actually give him a, a place. Well, no, there wasn't because if she had created an actual space for him, then mm-hmm. she was afraid that he would, you know, steal people from her community. And so she was right. constantly in battle with him. And so, yeah. 
he wasn't interested in honoring the belief system there. He wanted to learn it so that he could debunk it. He wanted to learn it so he could um, pull it apart. Yeah. But I think there's something really interesting about that, which is like, what are the conditions in which we can let such difference ride? And what are the conditions? Like, I always think that when I'm trying to convince someone to believe in what I believe over Mm. what they believe, that I must be feeling some insecurity around what I believe. There you go. Right. And when I, when I rest into it, I'm like, Oh, I believe what I believe because it it's what I observe. It's what makes the most sense to me. You know, like I'm like, yeah. I actually, I believe I'm in alignment with the earth. I don't have to argue that with anyone. I just can believe it. And mm-hmm. um, those who believe it will, will move in the direction with me, you know? So I think that's one of the most interesting tensions to me always in Octavia's work. So I'm like, well, crap, what would I do if I was on the road? And I was just yeah. like, mm. you know, actually the difference in our belief system might be the difference between living and dying. There you go. Now it matters in a different way. So That's right. Okay. Octavia's Parables is hosted by myself, Adrian Marie Brown, and the beloved, brilliant Toshi Regan. It's produced by Kat Aaron with help from Kenzie Clark. And our show art is by Krista Franklin. Music for Octavia's Parables podcast is Always See the Stars, written and performed by Toshi Regan. God is Change, written by Toshi Regan and performed by Bernice Johnson Regan and Toshi Regan. And yes, it was written and performed by Toshi Regan. You can find us on Twitter at O Parables and sustain our show by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash O Parables. And you can always go to readingoctavia.com for episodes and transcripts. Yay. Thank you. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you touch, you change, all that you change, 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 change,